Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to the Windsor Knot. This is a royal wedding podcast from me, Joe Scrabbles. And me, Daniel Kruper. Uh, we're two English men. With very English names. Yes, exactly. <laughs> two, two English men with Eastern European backstories. I'll tell you what, it hasn't stopped the Windsors. Uh, no, absolutely not. They've been fine all the way through, uh, um, what, hundreds of years? I know you say ostensibly a podcast about the royal in, impending royal wedding mm. between Meghan and Harry. Yes. I thought it was a podcast entirely built around a pun. <laughs> well, that's it. We started there, and we just got here. I we mean, decided. there's no better reason for a podcast to exist. It's just office riffing. Um, if you don't know who we are, and why would you, uh, we are both, well, we're both primarily video game and film writers, but we thought, as people who are English and living in the very city, London, London town, in which uh, a new Windsor will be born, <laughs> I guess? Is, was, that, is that what a marriage is? Is that the birth of a new member of your family? Some say it is the first day of the end of your life. Oh, God. It doesn't have to be. I, know, I thought we were being upbeat. Um, the brief so, was upbeat. It is, I am, this is about as peppy as I go. Um, <laughs> so over the coming weeks, we're going to be chronicling the impending nuptials between Harry and Meghan. And all the kind of stuff that comes out around the wedding, the planning, the dress, which I'm obviously very interested about. Absolutely. Um, but I thought, like, first week, mm-hmm. we should probably get back to basics and introduce our key players. Yes. And we've taken one person each. Mm-hmm. We actually were in the pub last week. We were. And this is how we um, organise um, the running order. We did it using a coin, which I've just realised has his grand head on. Yeah. Bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. And his pet griffin <laughs> that Harry had. As May, tales. posh kids. Posh kids get what they like. I just uh, wanted a gecko. <laughs> I was obsessed with geckos. I once went to a, um, a pet store in the Lake District and they had a Toke gecko that hissed at me and I really wanted it. Oh, you loved him? Yeah. Because he hissed at you? Yeah, but I couldn't have it. I had stick insects. Yeah, I got a hamster that died. Well, we kept him in, well, we kept him in the house and he smelled, so we put him in the garage. Oh. And he died. Doesn't seem good. Yeah. You should be arrested. Yeah, probably should. Okay, so how are we going to do this, Joe? We're going to go through in uh, three broad pieces of each nuptial recipient's life. We're going to go birth slash childhood, okay. adolescence slash adulthood, oh, yeah. and then their career. Cool. Leading up gently to the engagement itself. Or the what moment. I like to call the romantic convergence. Exactly, yes, the romantic convergence. Is that what you're calling it? Yeah. It's okay. like Event Horizon. Yeah. It's I, like a sexy Event Horizon. I mean, have you seen the flashbacks in Event Horizon? Some of them, depending on your proclivities, pretty sexy. Yeah, for Hellraiser, it'd be like softcore porn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, that's doing nothing for me. Is he called Hellraiser? He's called Pinhead. Yeah. He's the leader of the Cenobites. Pinhead Hellraiser, that's his full name. I honestly didn't Mr. Think- Hellraiser to you. <laughs> I honestly didn't expect Pinhead to come up this soon. Nope. Anyway. We've done it. 
Okay, who's going first? Who's going first? I think let's go royal first. Okay. There's um, no ladies in the royals. Okay, so Harry was born Henry Charles Albert David on September 15th, 1984. So, I, I know I'm interrupting straight away. It's fine. What is his last name? He doesn't have a last name. Right, so I've been confused about this for ages. They're not called something Windsor. So, I... It's very complicated to get a straight answer on this. I think if you're one of, like, the main ones, yeah. and that's how I'm referring to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, like, you know, the lesser gentry. The big time. gentry, the lesser royalty. The if big you, show. If you're one of the big four, um, you don't have to have a surname. Oh. And so some of them adopt the kind of epithet. So he sometimes uses Wales, but he doesn't have to. His last name can be Wales. So when he was in the army, he went by the name Captain Harry Wales, which sounds like a boy's own fiction. It sounds, yeah, it sounds, it sounds like, like a um, John Buchan novel. He sounds like that, or a Tottenham midfielder. <laughs> I'm Captain Harry Wales, <laughs> yeah. just flying a helicopter. Who's that? It's hot. It's Captain Harry Wales. <laughs> there he goes. Go on, mate. Um, so yeah, he doesn't have one, but I think he kind of uses Wales. Sometimes they can use wind. Okay. Is very, like, unspecified. I think it's when you want, you want the top ones, yeah. you just go, look at it. Yeah. Like, the Queen is a great example of that. She just get a stamp out. Yeah. She um, needs a passport. Yeah. So, he was born, and he was the second child of Charles, and Prince of Wales, Diana, Heard Prince of Wales. Heard of her. And brother to William. Yes. And his nan's the Queen. <laughs> oh, old um, Queenie. So, I didn't want to, there's obviously so much information to yeah, distill yeah, yeah. here. So, I wanted to, like, focus on one thing that kind of resonated with me. In a book that um, was a biography written of Diana by um, Andrew Morton, it's called Diana, Her True Story, colon, in her own words. That was very it's, unwieldy title. Well, it's like Diana, Her True Story, colon, in her own words, colon honestly it was her colon <laughs> promise you i've not just made this up so they're very much at a pains to emphasize this was her yeah apparently charles was gutted that harry wasn't a boy that's always a good start to your life do you know that's that's i listen to a lot of true crime pro- podcasts that's how a lot of serial killers start misgender uh, it genuinely sounds horrible it's apparently his first comment to diana after he was born was oh god it's a boy what and he's even got red hair and then diana said that this Something inside I wanted clo- divorce. Something inside me closed off that day. Oh god. So it's like Harry was the beginning of the end. Yeah. Um I mean, I think that's been the, the case for a lot of parties. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> and what is what is marriage if not the greatest also, party of all? Apparently one of the reasons he was good, he really wanted Harry to be a girl. So Diana hid the gender from Charles. What do you mean she hid it? Well, so she knew it. Well, it sounded like she went for the ultra scan and he didn't because he was busy. I just want to point out Ultrasound scan, not the ultra scan, which sounds the like something scan. that would happen in anime. <laughs> the ultra scan, where you basically can like see his future. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she kept this like hidden from him. That's really sad. But apparently, he was devastated that it was a girl. He always he was like it wasn't a girl. He wanted a boy and a girl. Do you think Harry only found that out from Diana in her own words, the last of the Mohicans, whatever it's called? Yeah. He just read it and went, "Fuck it." I do hell. think that about a lot. What we'll talk about in this podcast sometimes is. Growing up, having all this information, like lurid, like details about your parents, out there for everyone to read. Yes, uh, like, and as you know, this is the weird thing: is not only is it available for everyone to read. I keep thinking this, especially reading about Megan, who's been thrust into this. Not only is it available for everyone to read, people like us, like we should put our cards on the table. We're not royalists, but we're also not republicans it's just sort of like it happens in the I country somewhere over there to yeah, our lives really it just sort of exists which means any information that gets that actually gets through to me 
could, it could be false, and I'll just take it. Like, people don't pay attention to what's true about these well, people. Well, actually, it's just on some of the there. stories for this, I click through to, like, the hyperlinks, and it kind of just evaporates into nothing, <laughs> the sourcing of this stuff. You just see the Matrix. Yeah, it's just, it just becomes a Daily Mail or a Boros. Oh, <laughs> that's not good. Um, but, you know, I think from early on, I think Diana was very keen that she didn't want her two sons to have a very typical royal upbringing mm. so this you know this is a quote from wikipedia diana wanted harry and his older brother william to have a broad range of experiences than previous royal children and took them to venues that range from disney world and mcdonald's to aids clinics and shelters for the homeless oh that's good though it's a bit of a mixed summer holidays yeah but um, i don't know i wouldn't like it but it's helping them I know, but if you thought you're going, com- if you thought you were going to Alton Towers and you had to wear a flat jacket because yeah, you're in an Angolan minefield, <laughs> you know there's always um, you know there's always like the liberal kid at school, like the parents who show them porn and stuff, and they're like fine with it. Like yeah, that's kind of, that's a thing, isn't <laughs> I it? I don't, I don't know that you're describing. Fred West kid. No, but I'm saying not like in a evil way. In <laughs> and a, the like, porn is their parents. Yeah, in a like oh, that's yeah. a bit too liberal, even for me, Joe. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Anyway, like, you've always got that kid. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll tell I you always, I always think about those parents. I'm like, that's very good. If I ever have kids, that's not how I'm treating them. But I'll always be like, oh, well done to you. Now keep your kids away from mine. <laughs> like, <laughs> good on you. I'm happy you exist, but stay But if you clear. tell them the truth about Santa Claus, I will burn your house down. <laughs> yeah, he makes porn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, uh, you, you've, um, mentioned previously, I, I had Excuse a, me? I had a, an upbringing in which I was occasionally in contact with some members of the aristocracy. I wonder where that was going. And I thought you were going to say ghosts or aliens. I'm not going to say which one, but I knew a family in which the son of a lord used a very famous uh, uh, stately home to film porn in. What? Yeah. So there are porn films out there in the very places that Harry may have walked. <laughs> A very famous one. Like, oh, yeah. Extra- one of the biggies. Oh, big ol'. What, the Queen would have stayed there? No, 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 no. I'm talking like stately home that, oh. that you know, you'll was see. It it's it? got brown signs, mate. You know uh, the brown signs that yeah, take yeah. you to tourist traps? It takes you to porn location. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Epping Forest. Yeah. Uh, actually, I should say, you know the famous signs? This is a tangent. We should get back to the podcast. You know those signs that say secret nuclear bunker? They all see, there's always, signs for the secret nuclear yeah, bunkers. Yeah, this is a famous thing. If you look on the internet, everyone's like, hmm, the British are so charming, because the, um, there are like tourist signs to secret nuclear bunker right, in Essex. Okay. Film porn there as well. <laughs> I know a lot about this. <laughs> wow, okay. Anyway, back to Harry. Um, back to Harry. Um, so, again, so much information, but I wanted to focus on one particular event. I want to take you back to 1997. Oh. And an, I think it was an Odeon in Kensington, West London. An Odeon? Yeah. Diana takes. I remember this really vibrantly. She took. Do you know this story? She took um, Harry and William to see the movie. Um, it's The Devil's Own, the Brad Pitt IRA movie with Harrison Ford in it. Don't know it. So this was a 15 age rated movie. Oh, Harry, told you, liberal parents. Harry was 12. Yeah, that's not on. Okay, William was a day before his 15th birthday, oh. and she convinced them to let them in. This is national uproar. Really? A national uproar, this. And I remember this very distinctly in 1997. Because let me take you back even further <laughs> to January 1994. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Doubtfire is about to come out at yes. UK cinemas. I'm excited for this movie mm-hmm. in which a divorced man tries to reconnect with his young children Good using movie. prosthetics. Yes. And, <laughs> and I find out this movie as a seven-year-old Daniel 
is a 15. No, 12. It's I a 12. Gonna say. The Devil's Own is a 15. I think they use the words, I don't want to be rude, son of a bitch in that film. So that's okay. So it was a rated as 12. I was devastated. Yeah. I was absolutely devastated. I just wanted to see this film. I loved Robin Williams at the time. I really wanted to see this film. It came out in UK cinemas, mm-hmm. and then there was an uprising across the country. An uprising? Yes, there was a resistance in Scunthorpe. <laughs> and eventually the BBC took it to Chris Columbus... And they recut the film. What? And it came back out in cinemas, I think, in March, April, with severe edits to one restaurant scene in particular. And it's this scene, this restaurant scene, where Robin Williams basically goes through a lot of euphemisms for sex. Okay. And to this day, I've never seen that edition. Because it's never, never been released to. in the UK. And he says such things as, I've never heard Robin Williams say, baloney bop, <laughs> horizontal mambo, mm-hmm. and... Um, it's not as good Rumpel Foreskin <laughs> that's my favourite and um, I, I feel kind of like that's my biggest encounter of royal privilege is they fight to got, oh, they, they got to see a film about the IRA's terrible movie and I never got to see the uncut version of Mrs. Doubtfire that's interesting so I should wait, say so this is your biggest so it's not the point you relate to him most it's the opposite yes I feel most distant from him yeah um, that's very interesting like, I should say, because we all get an email, um, I know Mrs. Doubtfire came out unedited in November 2012, <laughs> but I'm not that fussed anymore. No. Back at the Prince Charles, maybe. Anyway, yeah, I'm not that fussed we'll anymore. We'll go as a team. I'll go with the cannon cut. Yeah. Is that is that Harry? That's, that's, that's I think I've done a fairly comprehensive job there. You have done a very comprehensive cool. job. Let me tell you about a little girl born August 4th, 1981, three years before Harry. Oh, she's older. Cradle snatcher, as they say. (laughs) She was born, get this, Rachel Meghan Markle. So she's a liar. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, okay. I'm glad someone's vetting her at last. Unbelievable. Because the Queen has to give her a a blessing. I bet the Queen's not doing this. Uh, No, absolutely. She's never. (laughs) Imagine the Queen having to watch all the suits. She's like, I thought it was on Netflix. I don't have Amazon Prime. <laughs> I've just realised that um, her f- her real first name is the name of her character in Suits, Rachel. Ooh. So maybe, do you think that makes it more confusing or less confusing? You know when people have their actual names in... I don't know. I'm, I'm, I am confused. I don't yeah. know to which extent. Anyway, Rachel Meghan Markle. Okay. Later to be known simply as Meghan Markle with the Rachel cast to the winds of history. It comes uh, back to haunt her one day. <laughs> is the, it was the daughter of uh, a social worker slash yoga instructor. Now, what? Uh, she was a social worker slash yoga instructor. Okay. Uh, or well, I suppose therapist and yoga instructor. Maybe that's like... Maybe, or, you know... This ain't working. Half Try an, this. Half an hour of yoga. Half an hour of... Uh, what's that called? CBT. <laughs> like... Yeah. It kind of works. I don't know. And that's her mother. Then her father was an Emmy Award-winning lighting director for sitcoms. She spent, and she said this on a, a weirdly inappropriate chat show appearance with Craig Ferguson, who I don't get. No. Um, I'm glad he's gone. Although, oh, wait, it's James Corden now, isn't it? Like, Worse. It's, it's like the shit it's British like you, slot, that it's bit, always isn't it? Happen- it's like when you create power vacuums in the Middle East. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's, absolutely happens, right. that's the late, late show. <laughs> um, as a child, she spent most days after school hanging out on the set of Married with Children, which is interesting. And it would uh, it would influence her into wanting to get into acting herself. Seeing it up and close. Yeah, she loved it. So um, that yoga. She, there's a weird bit in this interview where she says it was a weirdly perverse place 
um, for a child uh, who went to a Catholic school school to grow up. Um, right, okay. Which I don't fully get. Like, what was going on on the set of Married with Children? It's just a also, TV stuff. Catholic upbringing. She now has to represent the Church of England. Yeah, she's going to have to get re-baptized. Re-bap- uh, she, she is yeah. getting re-baptized. That's Which, happening. Yeah. Um, but here's a very interesting thing. So um, when all of this engagement got announced, she – there was like – we're going to run into this a lot in the course of this podcast. Like, borderline, if not absolutely racist chat about her uh, half-white, half-black heritage. Um, and when it was first announced – People were talking about her, like, gangster upbringing and stuff. She was born to an upper-middle-class family. Like, her mum's a yoga instructor. Her dad's an Emmy Award-winning lighting <laughs> director. Like, so she had a very comfortable upbringing, and I found out something really extremely interesting, right? Get this. She is of royal descent on her dad's side. What? She is descended from Edward III, uh, who, if you don't know, evolved the concept of British Parliament turned the UK into into a uh, worldwide military force, and was denounced as an irresponsible adventurer by later historians. <laughs> Absolute lad. Um, so this is so. Here we go. Windsor Castle belonged to Meghan Markle's family before it belonged to the Windsors themselves. The, the Sax Gotha Coburgs or whatever. Calling it now Long Con. This is it. Whoa. She's coming right back oh. round. Taking what's rightfully are they, hers. Are they executing a plan here? Well, they're executing someone, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> See you yeah, later, Queenie. Yeah. <laughs> no. She's going to be very nice. Uh, what if for years back we just find like somebody just anonymously sent Harry a box set of suits? <laughs> and he's just like, interesting. Oh, Ooh, she's going to the Invictus game. Rachel Zane is my favourite <laughs> character. <laughs> That's how he speaks, right? <laughs> Ish, I think, give or take. He's a bit. suave. Yeah. Um, born and raised in Los Angeles, and there's a very, I think, the nicest part of her childhood is she immediately. Megan seems very cool, like a very good person in a non sort of. And a lot of people do stuff where you're like, oh, they're probably using it for celebrity. Yes. Right. At 11. She was getting TV coverage because she was campaigning against sexist TV adverts. Yes. That is commitment. I saw um, a video on Facebook that went crazy about this where she is at a gala and a dinner or something. And she's kind of uh, recapping this story about this thing she did as a young girl. Mm. And I think it's like she critiques like detergent advertising or something. Yes, because it says sexist language. It's it's something along the lines of uh, women run back to the kitchen or something. Or it will make you run back to the kitchen. Yes. And she wanted it changed to, it will make people run back to the kitchen. Right. And she, like, campaigns it. And eventually she writes letters to several prominent um, female politicians, I believe. I think maybe even Hillary Clinton at the time. Quite possibly, yeah. And eventually they do change the language. So there's a little, you know, 11-year-old girl makes this big multinational company change stuff. And now she will be our queen. Yeah, I liked her until I found out she was conning her way back into Windsor County. Yeah, that's, you know. Unbelievable. Bit of that, bit of that. Column A, column B, and all that. Um, but that's the childhood of Meghan Markle, as per my notes. Right. I think she was very eventful. So now the next section is adulthood. Mm. I think it's kind of appropriate. Mine still says adolescence okay, for yeah, Harry yeah. because I think he was spotlighted as the. He, he, I think he got his epithet as the wild child for yes. many years in the British media. You're saying and he I, didn't grow up. 
he probably didn't help himself. But I also think this is where he's at his most relatable. Definitely not getting into that movie, he's not. Because um, he kind of does stuff that I think... We've all done stupid stuff when we were teenagers. Imagine if your stuff was covered in national media. Oh, yeah. So he goes to a string of very posh schools, ending up at Eton College. He got two A-levels, B in art, D in geography. Dropped history of art as an AS level. Oh, come on. I thought you had to do three. Uh, probably not at Eton. <laughs> probably not when you're in the line. 12,000 pounds a term, that is. You can do what you like. Uh, well, he did, he did a lot of polo and rugby. Did he? Yeah, he's very good at both of those. Or do we know he's very good at them? I don't, I think I don't know. Maybe they're just being generous because oh, he's rubbish at history of art. I won't believe it until he comes on this podcast and we <laughs> do uh, some polo, do some rugby on him. Um, but even at this time, he's eaten. There was a big scandal that he um, colluded with his teachers to cheat on exams. What? Yeah, but like apparently there was an investigation to it. Nothing, nothing wrong went on. But mm. but the thing is, you're going to cheat. You should be doing better than being a D in geography. Yeah, that's it. Cheat I don't well. think he was. Yeah. Anyway, some of the most prominent things that happened to him. When he was at age 17, he was spotted smoking cabinets, um, cannabis. Cabinets? He was smoking cabinet members, um, just taking them out. <laughs> Get rid. <laughs> he was hunting them like quail. They were all the bearded ones that uh, Margaret Thatcher didn't like. Um, she was afraid of Smoking cannabis and partaking in underage drinking with his friends Ugh. at 17. Unbelievable. Naughty, naughty boy. Never and did clashing it. clashing physically with paparazzi outside of nightclubs. Like, I did that at 17. Clashing physically? Yeah, in Blackburn, there's a... Um, there was a nightclub called Moist. No, there isn't. There, there was. There's That's... not anymore. It did, not, <laughs> did not have longevity Moist. as a venue. Moist. And um, there were no paparazzi outside of there. No? Just scumbags. Muck. <laughs> and, um, but I think probably the most high-profile pro- high naughty thing he did mm. was he once, he was photographed at Highgrove House at a colonial and native theme costume party wearing a Nazi German uniform yeah, with a swastika armband. I remember that. I think everyone remembers that. That's really stuck in my head. That was probably the most high-profile blunder until he was photographed naked in Las Vegas. Yeah, but that's just what you do in Vegas. Hijinks. Also, I would like to say, I went to a costume party as an 18-year-old, and someone was there as a hanged Saddam Hussein. So I can relate to him. wasn't me. I was dressed as the concept of Scrabble. Um, Yours is a much friendlier costume. It was. It said, happy birthday, in Scrabble tiles, tiles across it, to the man whose birthday it was. Oh, what words score you get? Oh, I didn't. I was. Mm, that would be several different because it would have to be happy. Yeah. And then there need to be a space where other game parts of the game were going on, and then birth, and then day. So what you say is you really think it through, did you, Joe? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's even that much. Why? Maybe. Why is all right? Um, but I think that's the thing. He, you know, he had those middle years where I think because William was always going to be destined for the, you know, he's going to be the future king one day. Yes. Harry, I think, rightly or wrongly, was pigeonholed as this, like, naughty little younger brother. They didn't even want him to be a boy. Like, I know. Um, who knows what's going on in his psyche? And I think, you know, when this sort of stuff happened, obviously the British newspaper, like, I think especially with the, the naked stuff in Vegas, mm. they weren't even going to, like, print those pictures. I think only the Sun did. Yeah. I think a lot of the American websites, like TMZ, published them without qualm. But even the British papers went, it's okay to, like, obviously cover lurid aspects of the royal family. But even then, I think it's like, they could probably still kill us. Yeah. There's still well, laws. The British papers are disgusting, as, again, we will find out throughout yeah. the course of this podcast. But 
I am surprised that only one went with it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think there probably is really. Is probably still on the book. She's like Queen's, like, hey, you know what? I'm happy just to take a backseat to all this. Yeah, I'll let you do your parliament stuff, do your voting. Wicked. That's probably how she talks. But (laughs) just so you know, I have a firm grasp of constitutional law. Yeah, and I and the treason laws in particular. (laughs) I will kill you. It is probably also like a bit. You know, you scratch my back, I'll give you. A coronation picture, like yeah, I think say, you scratch my back, I'll execute foreign nationals. Yeah, exactly. No, because there's every paper has like looking at uh, Meghan Markle. Every paper has a royal correspondent, and the one who found out about Harry and Meghan first at the Daily Express got to go on TV and talk about being on it for the Daily Express and like look so unbelievably smug about ha- having been the first person to wow. be like, order kissing! <laughs> I imagine a royal correspondent is good at being smug. Oh my God, yeah. Have you ever seen Nicholas like, Witchell? Yeah. Nicholas Witchell. I hope Witchell. he comes back a few times in this podcast. Oh, he's going to. I'm going to, um, we're on Witchell Watch. I'm, I'm, putting the, I'm putting the flag in the Witchell. <laughs> we're going to watch him. You're a Witchell finder general. Uh, very good. Go. Oh, we're steaming along. Um, so let's move on to Megan's adulthood. Yes. So here's a very interesting thing about Megan. Um, everything she's done seems to be sort of like a weird foreshadowing of the rest of her life. Check this out, right? So she went to um, she went to Northwestern University and studied. Uh, she had a double major. She studied theatre, so her acting career. And international relations. Like, that's going to be her whole job now. Again, I like to. Devious. Absolutely. She she knows where she was headed. I like, I think she's great. I think she's got a plan. (laughs) Um, As part of that course, she worked at the US Embassy in Argentina, cool by itself. Her role being liaising with foreign dignitaries. Everything, everything she's done. Oh my! I'm drawing the lines. It's like when you got strings on a board, a court yeah. board. She knew. She knew at twenty that she was going to do this. Bloody hell! It's mad. I don't know what A levels to pick. No, I would like. I did drama. <laughs> <laughs> I just did drama. Can't act. Bloody <laughs> um, well done, what, Megan. Yeah, and she continued her like more altruistic elements as well. She's since spoken at UN Women's Summits about uh, gender inequality and modern slavery, which I think is heavy. Yeah. Oh, we're not going to talk about that on this. Uh-huh. We've got a platform. We probably should. Yeah. We're not going to. Um, but here's, then she reaches a very... Well, actually, no, let's get to this first. I put these in the wrong order. Um, in 2002, she booked her first ever acting job, or major acting job, which was a background role on General Hospital, which I think is where almost every American actor or Canadian actor has started, uh, it being the soap opera that everyone's on at some point. But she describes her mixed-race heritage as a hindrance in getting early roles, and in the meantime, this is a weird little detail, she took... And if you're... Right. If you think that she came from a lower-class background, get this. Remember, gangster. Yeah, from, from the mean streets of... The Beverly Hills to take uh, to uh, kind of shore up her funds in between acting jobs, which she wasn't getting. She became a freelance calligrapher. <laughs> um, well, what we're we talking, Joe? Graffiti? Ex- oh, no, absolutely not. Just nice curly writing with a no. quill. No. Um, yeah, I, there's no way you're getting that job unless your house you grow up in has a quill in it. Like, yeah. how do you learn calligraphy? Not doing it with a bit. 
She did theatre and international relations. She learned that before uni. Um, so I thought that was very interesting. Um, also, backing that up, because there was a bit of me that was like, isn't that just a weird bit of wiki graffiti? Yeah. Uh, her signature on Wikipedia, beautiful. Is it? She has a gorgeous signature. Go and look it up. Honestly, I'm jealous of that signature. I think I've just stumbled across a problem with this podcast. Go on. I'm falling in love with it. <laughs> The, the, she sounds amazing. The beautiful, devious queen. And I can't say she's lost on Harry. She's perfect. Yeah. Oh, no. I, the thing is, I'm feeling sorry for Harry, and I'm feeling a great deal of love for Meghan. Don't feel sorry for Harry, because he gets way better. Okay, good. I think he's a good dude, Harry. I feel sorry for his upbringing. Oh, right, yeah. It must be oh, tough. Yeah. I mean, not that tough, but yeah. relatively. <laughs> yeah. I think you always say to say some bad stuff happened. Yeah. Uh, but in 2004, and here's a fairly major thing, she met her first husband. That's, what? I know, right? And as literally everyone pointed out as soon as they could, the last time an American actress married a member of the royal family, things went to pot. We had a constitutional crisis. Oh, yeah, and she was divorced. Is that ritual? No, people, <laughs> idiots, <laughs> idiots who aren't us. Um, so her first husband was called Trevor Engelson, who's a film producer best known for his romance-turned-9-11 drama, Remember Me. Oh, which, Robert Panson. Yeah, which she would appear in as a barmaid. Um, the, have you seen that? Uh, no, I just know the ending. It's you, mental. Yeah, it's just a regular movie. Spoilers for this movie. Oh, yeah, who cares? But they spoil it by making it. At the end of the movie, you don't know it's a 9-11 movie, and the last scene is him in, in the, the Twin the towers, towers as the plane, plane comes yeah, towards it. Yeah. It's good. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure, not sure about Trevor Engelson's work. If that's his best-known film, he's not a great producer, is he? Um, but they met in 2000, 2004. That was later. And they married in 2011. Uh, but they divorced in 2013, citing irre irreconcilable differences. Which, there's two schools of thinking on this, right? One, uh, she was working in Toronto at the time, and living there as well. And he was obviously in LA doing all the film producing or lack thereof. Um, so that's one side. You know, long distance, very hard to make mm. it work. Other side, and this may be my own theory, is they had a four-day wedding party in Jamaica, and the only picture that exists of them from that party, he is wearing sandals. You do not wear sandals at your own wedding party. I don't care if it's in Jamaica. No. Trevor quite literally put his foot in it at that moment. Um, I'll tell, so, tell you who wouldn't do that, Harry. Harry would never wear sandals. Uh, so that is the adulthood and sort of adolescence of Meghan. I try to warn you as much as possible. So I'm going to move on to the, like, I think, in, in short, the, the belated uh, maturing of Harry. Mm. He's a very fine young man. And his career. Um, it's like a lot of like royal people do, a lot of royal males. He like went into the army. He went royal to males. I just thought of all the royal males. I just thought of them all like with the heads from their stamps. <laughs> like a lot of royal males. Um, he entered the post box. Um, he enrolled at Sandhurst, which is like a very famous British military academy. And like his father, his brother, and his uncle, he learned to fly helicopters. Yes. So wait, all of them learned to fly helicopters. Yes, military helicopters. I think Andrew um, flew them in the Falklands War. Interesting. Yeah. Did old, like, old-timey kings do, like, um, like Leonardo da Vinci's helicopters? Yeah, they like, tried. Yeah, they, they tried to get off the ground. Little thopters. <laughs> yeah, George V loved it. Yeah, he's well into it. <laughs> he's like, what are you doing? Um, 
so within two years, she was promoted to lieutenant. And she, when, you know, this is a weird thing. When you want to learn to fly military helicopters, you do a flying assessment. And how well you do in that test determines whether you train as the pilot of an Apache, Lynx, or Gazelle helicopter. So there's like a... So if you're shit... You still get to You're fly a, a smaller one. Oh, look at him. I don't want to get in with a gazelle if he's not good at the test. Jimmy Gazelle. I feel like you pass it and then... Just get given a helicopter, yeah. whichever one's closest. There has to be a base level. Maybe... He failed I, it. I'll put him on the small one. There's people still in there. Apache's the gunship, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so I think... Apache sounds most impressive because it's the one I've heard of. Yeah. And he he, he passed. So aced he just, it. He aced it. Captain Harry Wales again. Uh, so he could fly Apaches. Now, um, no suggestions of uh, A level style cheating tests. Like it seems like he never crashed, which I would imply that he could do it by himself. Maybe because you're using sort of joysticks. Yeah. That's the polo skills yeah, coming in. He has an AS level in tank. <laughs> oh, very um, good to him. Very good to him. What is that? <laughs> very good but, to like, him. There was a lot of time. I remember this actually on the news that he wanted to go fight in Iraq, and they said. You made a big issue. It was like you can't, and then the head of the British Army said that he should. And he but said, they were like, well, you would actually." He's like, "I don't want to be treated differently." And it's like, "I said, well, you're a very high-profile target." Yeah, but Queen, I've already got my shorts on. Oh, Queen won't let me do anything. I got my sunscreen. And then, then years later, I think it was several months later, they, re- they revealed that he was in. Afghanistan? Yes, he and was. And he flew missions, but it was secret at the time. So, oh. like, it wouldn't be a thing. He wouldn't have been kidnapped. They made up a little tantrum for him. Yeah, so he just disappeared for a few months, but he was flying helicopters in Afghanistan, which is pretty cool. He did two tours, didn't he? I think so, yeah. What, what is a tour? <laughs> I, I don't because in his case, it's like, is it just a tour? It's Does like, he go yeah, on tour? It's like staying in holiday inns. Yeah. And just... I've seen him in a helicopter. I've not seen that helicopter fly, though. I've never actually seen him in a flying helicopter. You're not saying this is all, like... Look, if mate, we're believing this about Megan, I'll believe anything about Harry. Mate, you can fly an Apache. What have you done? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I'm just going to rely on this, around this up. Like, it seems like he's matured, he's done the soldiering, and now he's ambassador for lots of good causes, kind of continuing the work of his mum. And I, I thought one of the nicest things I read about him is, a couple of years ago, he kind of opened up about his own mental health problems following mm. the death of his mother. And I thought, you know what, that's a really brave and cool thing to do. Absolutely. And I think he's all right. And he went on to create the very worthy Invictus Games, which would play a he large did. part and, in his future. Like, I'm not in love with him, like Megan, so can we hear more about Megan? Yes, we can. Let's cover Megan's career. After an early start in 2002, um, came a sort of trickle, which became a flood of jobs. Um, But I've got a small rundown of her roles before the major one. Um, So, uh, she was in CSI New York, in which she played a sexy maid. Ooh, the third CSI spin-off. Yeah. For fans of CSI. She was in uh, the film Horrible Bosses. In which oh. she played a sexy FedEx lady. <laughs> and deal or no deal, she was a sexy lady with one of the briefcases. Ooh. She was in the big lineup of that. And, in A Lot Like Love, finally a named role Hot Girl. <laughs> you say, you say name. Well, it had a name attached <laughs> that wasn't uncredited or <laughs> like. I wonder that. It's like. I'll go with uncredited. Yeah, actually, I do think she had a name in CSI New York. I've done, I've done her down there, but there was a there was a pattern mm-hmm. to the sort of role she was being given. It's better than box girl. Um, my favourite of her, yes, it is. Uh, it's my favourite of her roles uh, pre Suits. 
um, was that she appeared in two episodes of Fringe, the sort of oh, sub-X-Files, J.J. Yeah. Abrams thing. Um, she played a character called Agent Amy Jessup, uh, and she appeared in the first two episodes of season two in which she was investigating a murder? Uh, can't remember. And um, after her appearance, now get this, uh, writer-producer Akiva Goldsman told viewers that they had not seen the last of Agent Jessup. Ooh. It was the last anyone saw of Agent Jessup. And that fil- that show went on for quite a while oh. afterwards. It was just like a weird mystery. What an odd... It's like Crychek and X-Files it... came back loads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amy Jessup, I think they were they So we were going set her like, up for that? Yeah. It's a bit mean, isn't it? I thought that was strange. I bet, you know what, now that he knows that she's going to be royal, I bet he's shit in it. <laughs> or he's bringing Fringe back. Yeah. <laughs> the Amy Jessup show. <laughs> He's like he's pitching it already. Going, imagine the ratings; it'll be incredible. We'll get her out of retirement. She has since retired. I didn't realize that until I started looking. But anyway, before that, before the retirement, there was seven seasons of Suits. Uh, Suits is a uh, legal drama on, I believe it's the USA Network. Can't yeah. remember. Uh, so that she booked her first role. Well, booked that role in 2011. She plays Rachel Zane, a paralegal. Um, I still don't know what a paralegal is. Like, honestly, the only thing I ever think of is someone in a suit on a parachute behind a boat. Like, that's my only vision of it. That's like, that's legal advice for really rich people. Yeah, <laughs> on boat. Someone shouting down at you. Hey! Just no, come, that's, that's when... Uh, jumping in, in, out of the Apache! Yeah, or in international waters, getting into, like, legal counsel. That's what you want. I'm um, not on the boat. I think paralegal is someone who doesn't have... Uh, like legal qualifications, but who assists with cases? Right, okay. maybe. But I'm, that's I've not looked that up. I genuinely don't know what they are. I'm just going off the top of my head based on what I know of Rachel Zane, her character. Uh, and Rachel Zane has most um, sort of ongoing plotline is that she has a romance with one of the lead characters, Mike Ross, uh, and that her dad, or her fictional dad in the show, was a partner in a law firm called and this is amazing rand caldor and zane which sounds like a leak like a law firm for aliens uh, which i enjoyed um she appeared in 100 episodes over seven seasons oh so she's a major she was a huge part in okay. suits like a really major part and that's borne out by um well look i don't know anything about suits really okay i've looked you at a few have, clips you could have full media yeah i know right so I don't know what her performance was like, but I'll tell you who does. The freaks who comment on the Suits wiki. (laughs) There are extensive comments underneath the Rachel Zane entry on the Suits wiki. I didn't even need to look anywhere else. There's pages of them. Um, So I thought I'd read you some of them. Okay. I can get a little taster of what viewers thought of Rachel Zane. I'm going to try not to read the really unpleasant ones. I love Rachel. I think she's smart, caring, and she is growing. Sure, there are some aspects of her personality that can be annoying, but who doesn't have that? She and Mike are good together, and I hope their relationship continues despite impending issues that may arise. (laughs) Weird. Season 5, episode 8 was Rachel's best acting to date, in my opinion. She was amazing. Uh, Most of these don't have names attached, so I don't know who who was that. They're just from a fandom user. Uh, so well, I've got a contrasting opinion here I do not like her character at all She takes things personally She interviews, sorry, she interferes with everyone's business She doesn't understand business is business And she thinks everything is about her 
which is saying the same thing like four times. I love the show, but the scenes where she's in it, I tend to zone out because it annoys me. I was hoping she wouldn't last. She's uh, in seven seasons, mate. Yeah, but going back on the other side, I like Mike and Rachel together. Other one, not a reply, ages later. I don't like her and Mike together. Uh, and then, um, oh, this one's very good. I didn't know she played a biracial character. That's an actress. These people are fundamentally un- <laughs> unable to deal with there's a human pretending to, you're like lying about being someone else. Except that she's using the same name as her actual real first name. She's using her actual body in this role. Yeah, it's disgusting. Um, oh, this one's good. I hope she dies. Weird. Uh, and I like this. This is like, this is a very sort of uh, motherly response to the character. She is very classy, but she has low self-esteem from what I can tell. You could see through her ups and downs that she is not in a healthy state. She's very attractive and very smart. She's just in a lot of pressure. She should give herself more time. Again, fictional character. <laughs> There's a lot of weird shit. Right, so when you introed that as freaks, I thought you were maybe being a little harsh, and now I would say you've not been harsh enough. Mate, there is so much more. Uh, dozens, dozens upon dozens of people who think that she's a real person. Um, so I think that kind of brings us up to date. Well, it brings us up to the moment of what I referred to previously as the sexy convergence, a.k.a. Um, I thought it was the romantic convergence. You Just because you fell in love with Megan. Oh, God, that's revealed something, hasn't it? I've betrayed myself with my own word selection, um, a.k.a. the engagement, which um, engagement, if you use boring words, we all agree on. Mm. Um, so we'll tackle that in a minute. We were introduced, actually, by a mutual friend. Welcome back. Now, before we start the engagement, I'm just going to open some champagne that will sound mysteriously like a beer. Oh, that's good champagne. That's how you know it's good. Very cheap beer. When the cork (laughs) sounds like metal. (laughs) Uh, So, um, Mr. Daniel Kruper. Yes. Has not shown me what he's going to do for this section. The romantic convergence, as he sometimes calls it. Um, the sexy event horizon. He's just produced a book. It's a very large book, and it it's is. not a very thick book. It's an A4-sized, non-thick book. It's sort of halfway between a pamphlet and an oversized novella. Yeah, it's, it's like a programme you get at a theatre. It is like um, that. It's called Harry and Meghan, A Royal Engagement. So and it's a, it's not a lot of designs gone into the cover. No, it's a picture... And, and what them. looks like some of her freelance calligraphy. <laughs> yes, it's lovely. Um, I bought this in hope that there'd you be lots... You bought it? Yeah, the, the, um, it's tax deductible. Um, I thought it'd be like a treasure trove of annuals. It's not. Uh, but one thing did catch my eye, and I thought it was relevant if we were going to talk about the actual engagement, is do you know actually how the engagement went down? It's a very odd thing. So um, it was during one of these quiet times at home. I'm reading from the book now. This Wait, is- should, we, should we set up? So they, they met. Oh, a, yeah. On a blind date. Yes, At sorry. London's Soho house. They were introduced by a friend. I've been there. And apparently they were a couple I could have like met that. You could have done. You could have been, you could have been the engager. Um, but yeah, they, they were a couple uh, overnight. They loved each other. That's like when you're 13 and get off with someone. That's party. like the best episodes of Blind Date. They actually lived that. Um, so they have this secret relationship it gets found out by the press. Um, I can't remember exactly how. It, I think they just got spotted having a little smooch. And then um, then the engagement happens. And that is when this book will tell us about. <laughs> it's just a very odd, like, unspectacular moment. But I quite like it. Okay, okay. I'm not against it. 
Um, so I'm reading from the book now. Mm. Um, there's no author on the cover, so I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, fair enough. It was, it was during one of these quiet times at home that Harry finally popped the question and proposed to <gasps> Megan. <gasps> While cooking roast chicken, <laughs> Harry suddenly dropped to one knee. Wait, 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 wait. He did not put the ring on one of the drumsticks, did he? <laughs> on a little wind. Yeah. Um, and s- I love the use of suddenly. Suddenly dropped to one knee. Bang. He really was like, loud. oh, it's browning. Scared a dog. Um, Johnny, and with ring in hand, asked to surprise Megan to be his wife. Megan was moved by his very romantic, very sweet proposal, and so enthusiastic was her reply that Harry hardly had time to finish his sentence before she delightfully accepted. Oh. Which I think is still in prose. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently, he, get, he gets... So I'm thinking about this. Just imagine the scene. So this is um, in Kensington Palace, apparently, mm-hmm. in a cottage on the grounds, I think. And he gets to one knee. So I'm wondering, is he on... Is he level with the oven <laughs> Wait, when we... this is happening? Is his face illuminated by a little oven light? Number one, definitely got an arga. No way he's getting illuminated. Well, I'm also thinking the alternatives is because I think his first say Harry is quite posh. Yeah. He has maybe one of those head height ovens. Ooh, you think you know it's what? that well decked out? Well, you get that a lot now in a modern kitchen. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, it's, it's 2018. You don't have to bend anymore. I've got one of them. Do you? That doesn't surprise me. You know what I do like on Bake Off? Those ovens where you open the door and the oven door goes into oh, the oven. Oh, so good. That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Because you could be frying stuff and have warm knees. Oh, a little grill. Um, so I want to know if he's getting on one knee, but you're right, he probably does have an Argo. I also do want to point out that uh, you've extrapolated from they were cooking <laughs> roast chicken at the time to he literally engaged her in front of a cooking chicken. I just feel it like... Could it, be anywhere. But he says he suddenly got down. They haven't got... Chinese, like, this writer, this uncredited writer says, suddenly got down, which I, I'm saying geographically puts him in the room with the chicken in the kitchen. I like the idea that he risky businessed in socks all the way from the kitchen to the living room, sort of stumbled when it hit the carpet level, went on one knee and was like, gotta style it out. <laughs> Boom! Had the ring. Mate, this is a pallet. Do you know how far these rooms are apart? He's going to have, like, really slippy socks. Yeah, it's called uh, The Cottage, isn't it? <laughs> cottage in inverted commas I'm just trying to believe they're like us and apparently she said this on um, in an interview there is nothing as delicious or as impressive as a perfectly roasted chicken she said this while sitting in a fucking palace wait she said this yeah and but, wait in an interview about the engagement she talked about the chicken again again it's one of these stories that I struggled to find a source for <laughs> But it is, it, is, it is in a lot of online stories. She said, again, there is nothing as delicious or as impressive as a perfectly roasted impressive. chicken. <laughs> She's sitting in a palace. I perfectly roasted a chicken two weekends ago. Like, I could, I could be I love, a royal. I love how Blase, I think that's going to set her up brilliantly to be a future royal. Yeah. If the most impressive thing in the world to her is a roast chicken. She's going to be amazed. Imagine when she gets on a plane. <laughs> She's uh, going to freak out. Imagine they bring Concord back. Oh, my God. Jesus. Um, I really want them to bring Concord back. But then, because I was searching for, like, wedding chicken. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, for a second, I just agreed with that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I kind of went down this weird, like, rabbit hole. Do you, have you ever heard of something called engagement chicken? What is that? It seems like an urban legend called engagement chicken and is a chi- isn't chicken so delicious if you taste it you have to marry the person who made that's it. not real <laughs> no, you're no, making no, this no, up no 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 so it finally goes back to 1982 <laughs> <laughs> the, 
<laughs> the editor of Glamour magazine, right? Okay, no, it's Joe. Treat you seriously, okay? Because it's romantic. The editor of Glamour's fashion department gave an assistant a recipe for buttery lemon chicken. <laughs> so, and eventually, this was this was published in Glamour magazine in two thousand and four, and since then. It's been responsible for at least 12 engagements. That's the internet age. (laughs) Obviously, there's some kind of logical fallacy here, like post-hoc... Was it post-hoc, ergo-prop-hoc? Just because you've had chicken and then get engaged doesn't mean it's because of the chicken. (laughs) You've created a straw chicken argument. One day I might get engaged. It's not because I've had a Coke. Imagine, though, if it was. Ah. Um, I do have the recipe for the chicken... But I think that can wait till another time. Well, let's put it on our Twitter account. Yes. At yes. Windsor Not Pod. Yeah, I'll do that. With a look. I might make it this weekend. Oh, lovely. That's a great idea. Should um, we both make engagement chicken? I don't want to share it with anyone because we know the potency of engagement chicken. That's a worry. The only person... Just what you sh- do. Leave out the fennel. Oh, yeah, yeah. No fennel. If the fennel's not in it, you're, you're getting, at best, prolonged courtship. <laughs> Sex chicken. <laughs> The um, mm. <laughs> the um, yeah, the fennels kind of like uh, no, not going anywhere with that. <laughs> oh, okay, um, we're backtracking on the fennel, everyone. Um, so that's I think that brings us up to date. But I thought we're just gonna. Are you good to end the proposal section? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I have nothing it. to add. I'm going to end it with my second book. Oh my it's called, god! It's called, it's called Harry and Meghan: The Love Story. This one does have an author. It's called Emily Herbert. She's called Emily Herbert. I like that Emily Herbert's chosen two pictures of them where they are clearly not in the same place. I know, and th- this is remarkable. This book, this book is 250 pages. It came out seven days after the engagement. So while it might be quite a big font. You've got to say Emily's worked her socks off. This is one of those obituary things where it's written for ages, but without any other names filled in. <laughs> and I think this is this is a lovely way to like kind of draw to end our first episode. Harry, the little lost boy, had become a mature man with a concern for people who were less fortunate than him and a determination to make his way in the world. Meghan was a woman of substance. Yes, she was lucky to have found her prince, but he was every bit as lucky to have found his princess. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, so, right, everyone, this isn't going to be how it is every week. <laughs> Firstly, I think this is quite long. Secondly, uh, we are. What we're going to do from now on is we're going to find the best of the news coverage yes. stories about the royal wedding in progress. We're going to chart it. We're going to find out cummerbund sizes. Maybe that's a thing I wrote ages ago and it's stuck in my head. I've never owned a cummerbund. No, I did. What are they like belts? Oh, you would have. No. Well, maybe. But um, I've never had a cummerbund. But we're go- so we're going to have like. Just this ongoing timeline of what this wedding's becoming. But I do want to do one thing before we go. Okay. I'm going to introduce uh, what I hope will become a regular feature that does not become so depressing for me to research that I can't do it every week. I'm going to introduce Conspiracy Corner. Okay. Now, news coverage, obviously, from the mainstream media, or the lamestream media, as we should call it, uh, is nice one, Joe. E- Skewer them. At worst, is going to uh, be working for you know the man in some respect. It's very much Bilderberg versus the Royals these days. So I'm looking straight to the source of true news, which is conspiracy forums that I find by searching truth forums on Google. Yeah, that's how Google works. And I found truthzone.net, and they're very interesting could little you, theory. Man, you couldn't even get .com. Nope. 
Very, and there's a hyphen between truth and zone. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a very interesting. May you know what they would say? You can't have a monopoly on truth. Yeah, and this is and this is my favourite. Um, I've read a lot of conspiracy theory forums, and this is my favourite. Uh, I can see it in your yeah. eyes. I've gone mad. They've gone all black because I'm a lizard man. Um, uh, it's disinformation. I'm losing it. This is my favourite way of structuring a message about a conspiracy, which okay. is just saying things, putting them in inverted commas, and then putting emojis after it, but never actually alleging anything. So this is Annabelle. Check this out. See if this stops you loving Megan so much, you absolute colluder. <laughs> Why has she abandoned Bogart, her Labrador Shepherd Cross in Toronto? Supposedly because he is unfit to fly. And then like a little scratching your chin emoji. And how did her beagle, Guy, end up with two broken legs shortly after their engagement was announced? Shrugging emoji. Her two beloved rescue pups. She leaves one behind, not bothering to take him with her, and the other one ends up with severe injuries, with two broken legs. Unhappy face. Meghan Markle. Dog? Herter? <laughs> Let's not end. What? Really weird. So, I th basically, I want Conspiracy Corner to be us uh, analysing how truth truthful this is. Now, actually, we've accidentally stumbled on a way better conspiracy theory, which is that this is a long con from Edward III, that she's going to take the throne back. That's ours. That's, that's ours. Something, that's our, like, that's going to structure the whole podcast, I think. Do we think that Meghan just left her dogs behind and broke the other one's legs because of the engagement? Your misery. Yeah. No. Good. Everything you've told me about her, and as Emily Herbert says in her book, Harry and Meghan, The Love Story, yes. she's a woman of substance. She is a woman of substance. And you know what's not substantial? Breaking a dog's legs because of your engagement. Yeah. Just... Maybe. I don't, I don't know what I was going to say. I was going to say sell it. Maybe, That's worse. Maybe he was jumping up on the table to get to the engagement chicken. And she swatted him away and it was an accident. That's what I like to believe happened. Oh, we need to do. Next time we need to see her, how she interacts with a corgi. Very and good. And that will be Has evidence. there been any documented corgi action? I don't think. And maybe it's for a reason. I don't want to add to the conspiracy theory, but we have not. I don't know if we've seen her with Pembroke or Cardigan. Are they the two names? Yes. Well done. I think so. Welsh cardigan? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Mm. Go with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's Conspiracy Corner. I promise it will not be really offensive. Well, it's not just going to be like Slate and Megan every week, I hope, Joe. Lot of stuff on my search history at work that's not nice. Um, so that's it, I think, for the first episode. So um, this is the first one. We have no emails. But if you would like to email us in future, you can contact us at show at thewindsornotpod.com, which written down looks really weird. I can't not see Sork. <laughs> like Andrew uh, Aaron, Aaron Sorkin. Sorkin. Yeah, so it's the, um, show at thewindsornotpod.com. Which is lots of syllables, but it's quite snazzy. Yeah, and like, send us stories you think we should read. Send us your conspiracy theories. Don't send us offensive things. Also, you know what else you can do if you're a very nice person? And I'm talking to you, yeah, you. You can go on iTunes and give us a little review and say how you know. I'm not not to put words in your mouth. Urbane, erudite, British, suave. Those are words you could use. Mm. Sexy Event Horizon. Engagement one. chicken. Engagement chicken. Yeah. Is that a new online metric? I'm... Mate. What's your engagement chicken <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. 
let's quit this podcast and start engagementchicken.com and make our millions. That would Bye. be nice. Bye.